0: Natural. It's amazing that doctors have to teach people and counsel people to love themselves. (laughs) But we normally, naturally do love ourselves. And the the, the commandment, the challenge is to get us to love people the same way that we love ourselves. There are many people that we refuse to love. We find it hard to love and to treat equal like ourselves, like the unlovely. People that we look down on, people that we think are... Not worth loving. There are those who are hard to love. Would you agree that there are some people that are just hard to love? Yes or no? Come on, nod your head. Of course there are. You're next door, right next to you. No, right there. <laughs> but there are people that we refuse and find it hard to love and tricky, tricky will treat equal to ourselves called the not yet born. Now I'm using a term different than just the unborn. I'm using a term called the not Yet born. So watch it this morning as it maybe stirs some better understanding in your mind. Because if the truth be told, most people believe pregnancy is an accident. <gasps> How'd that happen? <laughs> and that accidents need to be controlled. Have fun! Don't, don't have an accident. <clears throat> truth be told, people believe that children should only be born if they're wanted. They believe that there are way too many children and people today in the world. Our planet is too full. If the truth be told, there is very little popular support for protecting the life of the not yet born anymore. And if the truth be told, Ireland will probably go the way of the rest of the world and will bring in the legal slaughter of thousands upon thousands of innocent lives, lives that just weren't wanted. It's a pity that so many Christians don't know what the Bible says, and they won't fight to protect the life of the unborn. You see, your and my view of the unborn reflects on our view of life itself. It reflects on the view of ourselves, and ultimately, our view of God. So this morning... Uh, you'll need to see from the Bible what is at stake. At least that's my goal. And I hope that you start to speak up and stand in defense of the most vulnerable in Ireland. Father, bless your word this morning. Cut us to our hearts. Help us to take this seriously, God. We're we're conditioned by constant disasters and turmoil in the world to to push aside important things and to not not make a stand anymore. We're afraid to speak up. We're afraid to be different. We've been conditioned, just like the rest of the world, to just just vote the vote. Just go with the flow. And we don't do that. We made a decision to follow Jesus. So if we're going to keep that choice, we need to understand what it's going to cost us because it's costing the lives of countless millions around the world. So help us to love the not yet born this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how did we get here? How did we get where people think that an unborn child is not a child? How did we get to the place where... When you're old and you're a problem society, we get rid of you or you want to get rid of yourself. How do we get to the place where marriage is not between men and women and, uh, it's, it's men and men, women and women. There was a, there's somebody that tried to marry their computer. There are gender identities in crisis. How do we get to this place where life doesn't matter, where words don't matter, where where nothing is, is true or real. We're all in a matrix. That's all we are. How do we get here? Well, it began with a fight that never was fought called creation versus evolution. I believe today there are many illiterate Christians. What I mean by this is they don't know their Bible and they don't know science. There are, There are people who claim to know the Bible, but they're afraid of science. They don't trust science. And then there are those people who claim to know science and they're afraid of the Bible. You know, you need to know both. Some of the greatest minds and the greatest scientists throughout history have been people who believe this book and realize that this book tells you about the author of this marvelous creation. They study both. What people do is, even Christians, and my fear is that it's not just out there. By the way, I'm not just preaching to the choir. I'm I'm trying to help you. There are people who just float along by their feelings. They make decisions based on how they feel at the moment, and I believe that that Enda Kenny is waiting for the right wave to ride and to carry this vote to bring in abortion. If only people knew that there are more than 10,000 rock solid, bona fide, fully degreed scientists all over the world who firmly believe the Bible statements about creation and are not evolutionists. If only people knew that. Now the reason why you rarely hear about these people Rarely hear about voices that say that, no, it looks like things are created. is because they're treated like the plague. They're often hounded out of universities and government positions. As a matter of fact, I know two over at UCC right now who cannot and are barred from speaking anything about the Bible because they would be fired. Pseudoscientists like Richard Dawkins and Bill Nye, the science guy, if you ever heard of him, They spew off evolutionary dogma on every TV channel like it is proven, which it is not. Evolution is not a proven theory. So the actual debate on God and evolution has already been settled before it was ever allowed to begin. Years ago, by people's desire to shove the Bible into religion, instead of looking at it saying, you know what, it might just be fact. You see, if there is no God, there are no limits. We're only animals. And we all deserve the right to do as we please. Those that are the strongest and the most popular decide what is right or wrong. Do you ever hear of a man named Adolf Hitler? Well, he decided that, you know what? Evolution is true, and I am the product of the Aryan race, and the Aryan race is superior. Therefore, I can prove that I'm right by my might. so... He conquered the lesser humans. He believed Polish people were lesser humans. He believed Jews were not quite human. So he ended up slaughtering 9 million Russians, 6 million Jews. He got rid of the lame, the mentally retarded, the Down syndrome children throughout Germany. He got rid of them. Why? Because he firmly believed that that in evolution, he can do what he wants. If there is a God who actually did create everything in six days and gave us His laws, then we, then there are precise limits to what people can and cannot do. Human beings, if God is there, all of them are more than just animals. They are made in the image of God. None of us deserve to live and do as we please. And we will all answer to that one creator God one day on how we lived according to His laws. So, people believe that there's no need for a creator or a moral lawgiver. That's a funny thing. When people believe that we can figure out everything on our own, science will figure out how we all got here. Science will will solve all of our world's problems. Technology will make up for flaws in human DNA. Well, when you start to believe in that, everything falls apart, like our marriages. Less than half the people living together will ever get married. And the number of people getting married in Ireland is on the way down. Divorce and separation is rampant amongst those who even attempt marriage. Marriage is falling apart. Genders and differences are no longer respected and protected. I have had it count, had it handed, yeah, I've had it happen to me countless of times, uh, Gavin, where I will go and open the door for a lady and she will scour at me. drugs are rampant drink is selling at an all time high Suic- suicides are at an all time high governments can only governments only operate to please the people laws are written and rewritten faster than ever murderers get only 7 years in Irish prisons now man named Brian Hennessy killed his sister and her two young daughters Zara and Nadia who were 7 and 2 back in 2008 and he was sentenced to 7 years. He's out now. Do you like that? That upsets you? A murderer of three people got seven years in Ireland. Abortion on demand. If you don't have a creator, if you don't need a moral lawgiver, then abortion on demand becomes enshrined and protected in the laws of almost every Western nation. Today, 56 million unborn babies have died at the hand of the me first philosophy of the United States. Over 20 million have been slaughtered in the United Kingdom since the 1960. Russia murders a million unborn babies a year. In 2001, listen to this, 1.31 million children were born and 2.11 million children were aborted. In 1965, at the peak of... The highest number in Russia's history of abortions, 5.5 million abortions were performed in one year. In total, since 1920, by the way, if you want to know which country was the first to allow abortion on demand, it was Russia. And since 1920, when the, uh, when the USSR legalized abortion on demand, almost 100 million not yet born babies were terminated. China doesn't keep records of how many are aborted. It's not when you go in for an abortion, they don't even fill out paperwork. Someone worked through all the statistics and came to a colossal number for the total number of abortions for the last 60 years, and they put it at almost one billion babies. That is the result of living without God. Listen to the words of Barack Obama in 2008 when he was seeking to be elected. He told a crowd in Johnstown, Pennsylvania that he didn't want his daughters punished with a baby. Listen to these words. Listen, look, I've got two daughters. I'm going to teach them, first of all, about values and morals. But if they make a mistake, I don't want them punished with a baby. Does that upset you? He's a leader. He's a mover and shaker. He influences children. He influences parents. And he says, having a baby is a punishment. Everybody wants their rights. I like this. This woman says, I can have an abortion. It's my body. Well, the reply is, it's the baby's body. If it were your body, you'd be the one that dies. I like that. See, everybody wants their rights, but not when it comes to the not yet born. You know, an unborn child cannot speak, so they will not be heard. Over a 100 years ago, Blacks weren't allowed to speak in their own defense. It was fought by John Wilberforce in in the United Kingdom. It was fought left and right in the courts in America. And the blacks were never able to stand up and speak, I want to live! I want my rights! I want equal rights! They weren't allowed to speak. It took other men to stand up and speak for them and bring about equal rights. Are babies able to ever speak? Not when they're unborn. Who's going to love the not yet born? The only reason why you're not upset about the state of things is because it hasn't affected you yet. It's not your life at stake. No wonder the not yet born are at risk. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1. I want to tell you that we're made in the image of a creator. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, we are made in the image of the Creator. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 says this, And God said when he was making Adam and making mankind, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female equally created he them. We're made in the image of a creator. Look at chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and he blessed them. And he called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Chapter 9 and verse 6. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man, shall his blood be shed. Why? For in the image of God made he him. God takes murder very seriously. Now, what does it mean when we say man is made in the image of a creator? It means that man is different than all other animals, <clears throat> all the rest of creation. Man was designed by God with attributes, with characteristics, just like God. Now, you don't glow. You, you're, you're, you don't float. You don't... That's that's not the attribute we're talking about. When he made man, he made him physical, got us a spirit, but he gave him characteristics that are different than all other animals. We speak, we communicate, we don't just bark. We don't tweet, we don't twiddle, we talk, we communicate, we listen, we learn. We actually write and express ourselves. We create and design new things, and we live forever. These are characteristics that God gave us. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but your dog, Fifi, will not live forever. You will. Back to chapter 1 and verse 28. Chapter 1 and verse 28. Made in the image of the Creator means that we've been given given dominion over everything. We're not just part of creation, we're in charge of it. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. God blessed them and God said unto them, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So, when God wanted to save man, when God wanted to save the human race, he came into our world, how? As a human and he died for all men everywhere. He didn't die for animals or birds or bugs. He died for us because we're different. We're creating his image. Second thing, we're not just created, we're marvelously created. Go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 13, down to verse 16, says this, For thou, this is David writing, and he says, Thou hast possessed my reins. You have controlled me. You've you've held me like a rider on a horse. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. He's looking at his fingers and his toes. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. In the lowest parts of the earth, the most secret parts of the earth for a living being is in his mother's womb. He says, I wasn't hid from you when I was in there. Um, I'm missing my spot there. Yeah, 16, thanks. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, yet not being fully developed, and in thy book, all my members, my fingers, my toes, my nose, my chin, my, my ears, they were all written, which in continuance were fashioned. I was growing when as yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, all of your thoughts toward me, they are more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I'm still with thee. A mommy and a daddy have been given the gift of giving life. It is absolutely amazing that this is not treated as a miracle. As a matter of fact, when you read the literature, go back to Genesis chapter 4, when you read literature, whether it is a book it's for school, or whether it is a science program on the History Channel or Discovery, you know what they'll talk about conception? They'll call, about, call it the miracle of conception. Or they'll call it the wonder of the start of life. All these things... But they won't attribute it to God. Do you know, when a mom and a daddy make a baby, it is a miracle. Look at chapter 4, verse 1, governed by God. Chapter 4, verse 1. Adam, he knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from where? I got a gift from God. Again, she bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So this was an amazing thing. I got something from God. Nothing is more marvelous than grasping how a new life is formed. Uh, I think it's absolutely abhorrent, an abomination, how they teach such education to children, but they don't teach the miracle of, of life to children. They make it so it is an animalistic desire that has to be constrained and controlled and guided and, and protected instead of this is a miracle that belongs to marriage. And what you got is you've got a, a one cell meeting another cell impossibly and coming together and forming a new being. Everything about that child from the moment that that zygote, if you want the, uh, the, the, the strange science term for it, everything about that child from the moment it has become fertilized is settled. Do you know from that moment... His or her gender is decided. The color that their hair is going to be, how tall they will get, the color of their skin, the shape of their ears. Used to think that this was because my mom was constantly pulling. Do you know their initial temperament? One child comes out, another child comes out kicking and screaming. That that is part of their design. From just two cells, against all odds, a life is formed. And it's not an accident it's not something that that will we well it's just it's just part of ev- it's not part of evolution you get a baby from char- from god what's it like in the womb by day 25 day 25 not even a month from conception the heart is pumping from day 25 the heart is beating the brain has already formed its first mass The eyes have appeared and the face is distinctly human at day two. Not even a month old. All the fingers and toes are fully formed and growing after just six weeks. At seven weeks, not even two months down from conception, a not yet born child can hear. At nine weeks, the not yet born child starts moving and kicking and swimming. Now the mom doesn't know it because there's plenty of room at that point. At ten weeks... That unborn child feels and responds to pain. At 21 weeks, which is just four months from conception, they can survive outside of the womb. guy named James Elgin, James Elgin Gill, was born on the 20th of May, 1987, in Ottawa, Canada, and he is the earliest premature baby in the world. He was 128 days premature. He was only 21 weeks and five days old. He weighed, weighed one pound, six ounces, and he is kicking and screaming and quite healthy 20-some-odd years later. Obviously, people are amazed at the life of a baby. Let me get down here. When you hold him or her at birth. I mean, just look at, look at this. But you know, it's just as amazing five minutes before they're born. Would you understand that? So, the question arises, when is a child a child? Go to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. This is how the Bible describes the mother of an unborn child. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 8. Look in verse 7, just for context. Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her, this is Hagar... By a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain of the way of Sure, And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? What are you going to do? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply thy seed, thy children exceedingly, that it may not be. Be numbered for multitude. You're going to have a lot of kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with what? Not with fetus. Thou art with child, and shall bear a son. Yeah, he's going to be a boy that's going to run around. He's, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, uh, Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. So from the very beginning, the Bible describes... A woman who's pregnant as with child. Now, I'm going to be uh, there's a there's a dozen things just in Genesis, but I'm going to say first of all, skipping the next one, let me go to the next one. Even in incest and rape, did you know the Bible deals with all of the problems that we face in the 21st century, and it settles it for us in the 20th century BC. Genesis chapter 19, verse 36. Genesis 19:36. Everybody will cry out, how can you make a woman carry a child if it's the product of rape or incest? Well, I think you ought to kill the rapist, not the baby. But Genesis chapter 19 and verse 36. Thus, these are the two daughters of Lot. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their own father. What's more abhorrent, the fact that she's with child or the fact that her daughter father did it. In fact, her father did it. But she, undeniably, those children were with what? With child. So even in incest and rape, the unborn baby is a child. Oh, well, what about adultery and harlotry? Well, let's look over to Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 38 and verse 24. <clears throat> this is Judah. And again, it's an awful situation. So you're not reading a fairy tale, you're reading real life. And you're dealing with how to deal with real life. Look at verse 24. It came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot. <gasps> She's wicked. Oh, yeah? And also behold, she is with? Child. Now, they're not just making up these words. She is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, bring her forth and let her be. Boy, what a dummy. Do you know who gave her the child? Who impregnated her? He did. And she proved it to him. And everybody looked at him and he went, okay, she shouldn't die. (laughs) Funny. Funny that you try to murder the wrong person. Because of sin. Second Samuel chapter eleven. You might know about this one. Second Samuel chapter eleven. Second Samuel chapter eleven and verse three. Look at verse two. Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse two. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed. He couldn't sleep, and he walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? The wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned back to her whole house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, "I am with child. In the Bible, kind of helpful for understand, is the baby before birth a baby or not? It is a baby? From the moment of conception, Jesus was a child. Look at Matthew chapter one, in verse eighteen. <clears throat> Matthew chapter one, in verse eighteen. Matthew one eighteen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, they were just engaged. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, that upset Joseph because he couldn't believe that, okay, this was something miraculously given by God. So he's trying to, verse 19 says he's trying to put her away privily, but God convinced him otherwise. Look at chapter, still in chapter 1, look at verse 23, Behold, Now, verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. All right, so she's going to be with child and shall bring forth a son. I need you now to go to Isaiah, because Isaiah is going to blow you away. Look at Isaiah chapter 7. In verse 14, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall, what does Matthew call it? Matthew says, shall be with child. And yet Isaiah says, a virgin shall. So from the moment of conception, a baby is a child. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call it his name Emmanuel. Now, where I'm going with this is we are quite human and have been given absolute rights by our Creator from, from conception. The growth and the development of a child who's unborn is the work of God, not nature. Go to Ecclesiastes. You're in Isaiah. Go back a few books just before Psalms and Proverbs. You'll find a little book called Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes, probably only twenty pages back from where you were. It's the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter eleven, I should have said. Eleven, verse five. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes, chapter eleven, verse five. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit. Spirit is invisible. Don't know. You, you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you can't hear it. As thou, um, Knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. I don't care how smart scientists are. They may be able to describe a baby's growth. They can't explain it. Just like you can't explain that, you're definitely not going to ever be able to explain God. It is an amazing thing from From uh, 9 weeks to 40 weeks, I mean, you can see that is a baby. Now, there are a lot of countries that say from 12 weeks, well, that's the cutoff. You can't have an abortion after that. Some cut it off at 16 weeks. Some cut it off at 26 weeks. I don't care where you cut it off. You're still murdering a not-yet-born child. We are, from conception, given absolute rights by our Creator because it is a work of God. Read that verse again. 11.5 says as thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor knoweth how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God, who maketh all. So if the Spirit's moving or a bone is growing, God's behind it. It's a work of God. It's not an accident. You realize that God knew us and purposed us before we were born. Your parents may not have. Wanted you. Your parents may have thought that you were an accident or unplanned. In my day, most children were born unplanned. Amen. But God knew us and purposed us before we were ever born. Go to Jeremiah. You're in Ecclesiastes. Go to the right. You'll find Isaiah. And then comes Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. That blows me away. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I made you holy, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. When did God call Jeremiah to be a prophet? When he came out kicking and screaming, preaching like a like a prophet, or when he was still in the womb? God purposed Jeremiah before he was ever born. Did you know he did the same with you? See, I don't know my purpose. I'd sure be looking for it. Because God doesn't forget you. Galatians chapter 1, to the right. Galatians, you say, well, that was just Jeremiah. Uh, uh, no. Galatians now, in the New Testament, chapter 1 and verse 15. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. God separated Paul and called Paul when he was still in his mother's room. Galatians 1 and verse 15. But it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's room, brought me into life, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I think it's absolutely breathtaking to think that God actually knows you before anybody else does. God doesn't just crawl out of bed one day and go, oh, there's somebody else I got to worry about. (laughs) Where'd that one come from? (laughs) Didn't you guys use protection? (laughs) God knew us and purposed us before we were born. Do you know, John the Baptist was a baby before birth. And he was able to hear and understand things going on around him and even was filled with the Holy Ghost all before birth. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. Now this is Zacharias. He's just found out he's going to be a daddy. Verse 13, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife, now she's very old at this point, but thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, John the Baptist. And thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth. Sounds so far so good. That's just like what we normally experience. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. I go down to verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary. I mean, all Mary did was open up the door and say, Hi, Elizabeth! When Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her room and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So what are you dealing with? You're dealing with a baby that can hear, perceive, and react to things going on outside the womb. Don't you tell me it's just a blob. Don't you tell me it's just a piece of tissue. Because you see, a not yet born baby is a baby that's just not yet born. You get my words now? Okay. (laughs) Now, you're not yet born does not mean that they're not yet alive. Everybody in the debate that's going on will tell you it's not alive. That's what they'll tell you. It's not alive. They'll say they are less human than those of us who are allowed to exit the womb alive. Well, that's not quite human. As a matter of fact, Hillary Clinton got on there and said, any baby that's still in the womb up to 30 seconds before has no rights and is less of a human and does not deserve constitutional protection. <sighs> less human? I thought Hitler was defeated on that basis. Most people will call it a blob of human tissue, like a wart, or a what do you call a wart? A verruca or what are all the different things? Scab? Just a blob of human tissue? A fetus. Now, fetus is a Latin word. Science uses it and all this stuff to describe it scientifically. I wouldn't like to be called a fetus and neither would you. They say that not yet born baby feels nothing. Well, that's been disproven for about the last 20 some odd years where they, they react to sounds. They react to pressure. <laughs> Any woman who's ever been pregnant knows that that when you shift, that baby kicks. Cause you're, you're making that baby uncomfortable. So the baby makes you uncomfortable. They react. And they feel pain. They've actually done sonograms while they've done abortions, and I will not show anything graphic. But it is the most graphic abomination to watch as a, as a baby in the womb, as they insert the scissors, as they insert the suction, and that baby begins to fight and push away. Don't you tell me they don't feel anything. And the worst of all is they'll say that that unborn baby is not viable. Really? In the first week of July 2012, a drunk six-time driving while intoxicated offender, six times he's been caught driving while drunk. He ran a red light and struck another car before fleeing the scene. The woman, Heather Cervic, was a pregnant woman. In that second car, she was critically injured, but her nearly full-term baby named Brady Paul died. The local media struggled to report the story. Some papers referred to it as a fetus, some as a baby. And a Denver Post article said, unborn child in the headline and referred several times to the baby. So a frustrated reader commented, So if it's an unborn thing that a woman wants to keep, it's a baby. But if she wishes to have an abortion, it's a fetus. Cheese people, make up your mind. I thought that was profound. By the way, the driver, Gary Sheets, he was only charged with assault and leaving the scene of an accident. Because the baby is not a person, even though he died. what not yet born does mean is that that baby de- cannot defend itself the baby cannot defend itself it depends solely completely upon the mother for their protection god trusted you trusted a woman with that child and that child is dependent upon you to protect it it naturally believe me it naturally wants to live and eventually wants to be given a chance to live try that Try to imagine asking, would you like to die? Do you think any unborn, not yet born child, if they had the ability to communicate, would say, yeah, I'd rather die? Instead of, give me a chance. He or she has the equal right to life as a mother. Not yet born means that they are a person. So many ways, oh, there's so many reasons to justify the killing of the not yet born child. Now, I will not show a picture of how an abortion has occurred, so I'll just show you this. But this is nothing. This is mild. This is palatable. This is viewable compared to the actual process that an unborn child goes through in their death. And yet, they come up with all the reasons. Reasons including, well, I'm afraid of being pregnant. And that's a reason to kill the baby. Well, we have financial hardships. We can't afford another child. Well, we suspect fatal complications in the womb. The baby probably won't live outside of the womb. Probably. Did you know that 90% of all supposed fetal complications that might lead in death are proven wrong? Down syndrome, that's the big deal. They always test for, in the amniotic sac, and they come, and the doctors come in. We have to tell you, you have a high probability your child's going to be sound I'm saying, oh, I'm going to England. Threat of suicide. Oh, that was a big one. X case. Big deal. Wow, this mom's going to, let's kill the baby so the woman doesn't kill herself. <laughs> Dangers <laughs> to the life of the mother, which are extremely rare. There are fallopian tubal pregnancies. There are times, and they're all taken care of. There's not... Kill the mom! Kill the mother! There's no mentality for that. There is, however, a mentality that says, that baby is not real, not viable, not, uh, not worth protecting, so get rid of it. So I say, protect both. Here's a normal reason. You'll hear every feminist who gets to speak on RTE and nine times out of ten, they will be given the airways and they'll say, it is not right to force me to carry a pregnancy to term. That's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. That's where we're at and no man can stand up and say, yes, you will. (laughs) How are you going to fight that? Risk to health? Do you know... These are the list of health issues that have now been listed on the abortion websites for repealing the Eighth Amendment. When a woman has any kind of heart or vascular disease, they need to be able to have an abortion because they might come under undue stress in the pregnancy. Pulmonary diseases, kidney diseases, extensive hernias, abominable and pelvic um, and benign tumors, urological problems, orthopedic problems, breathing problems. Breathing problems? You ever try to have a baby? You're going to breathe. <laughs> breathing problems and many other problems that should allow a woman to have an abortion because that child or that fetus brings undue burden on the health of the mother. Incon- uh, how about rape and incest? I mean, I still, I still believe that if a ch- that anybody should be killed, it ought to be the rapist. I got two amens. It's awful today that people have been forced. We have been forced to believe, forced to remove the death penalty, and yet we demand the ability for any woman anywhere. To murder a not-yet-born child on a whim. Think about that for a month or two. Lack of a committed father. I don't want this child because the father doesn't want to be with me. What? So, we come down to inconvenience. The baby's getting in my way. I can't keep my career. I can't keep my looks. And women are already traveling to get an abortion, so why can't we have it here? Do you see? What are we looking at? Me first. Never expect anybody to take responsibility. Just kill the baby. Let me read you a story, a a, a letter written by a woman in 2023. She came back from history, from, from the future. Dear Mom, January 22nd, 2023. Dear Mom. Can you believe it's already the year 2023? I'm still writing 22 on everything. It seems like only yesterday that I was sitting in my first class and celebrating the change to a new century. I know we really haven't chatted since Christmas, Mom, and I'm sorry. Anyway, I have some difficult news to share with you. And to be honest, I didn't want to call or talk about this face to face. But before I do that, let me report that Ted just got a big promotion. And I should be up for a hefty raise this year if I keep pulling in all those crazy hours, you know. You know how I work at it. Yes, we're still struggling to pay the bills. Little timmy has been okay at kindergarten. Although he complains about going, but then he wasn't happy about the daycare center either. So what can we do? Mom, he's been a real problem. He's a good kid, but quite honestly, he's an unfair burden on us at this time in our lives. Ted and I have talked it through and we have finally made a choice. Plenty of other families have made the same choice and are really better off today. Our pastor is supportive of our choice. He pointed out the family is a system and the demands of one member shouldn't be allowed to ruin the whole. The pastor told us to be prayerful and to consider all the factors as to what is right to make our family work. He says that even though he probably wouldn't do it himself... The choice is really ours. What a good pastor. He was kind enough to refer us to a children's clinic near here, so at least that part is easy. Don't get me wrong, Mom. I'm not an uncaring mother. I do feel sorry for the little guy. I think he heard Ted and me talking about this the other night. I turned and I saw him standing at the bottom of the stairs in his PJs with his little teddy bear that you gave him under his arm. And his eyes were sort of welled up with tears. Mom, the way he looked at me, She's about broke my heart. But honestly, I believe this is better for Timmy, too. It's just not fair to force him to live in a family that can't give him the time and attention he deserves. Please, Mom, don't give me the kind of grief that Grandma gave you on your abortions. It's the same thing, you know. There really is no difference. We've told Timmy he's just going for a vaccination. Anyway, they say that the termination procedure is painless. I guess it's just as well... That you don't have to, that, that you haven't seen him much lately. Please give my love to dad, to dad, signed your daughter. See, if it was talked about like that boy sitting at the bottom of the stairs as mom and dad talked about terminating him, we would stand and we'd say, that's wrong. But we don't love our neighbor. Not the ones that deserve our love. So many opinions. Today we battle stigmas like Down syndrome children. There's the stigma of adoption today that if an Irish woman has a child, the worst thing for her to do is to give it up for adoption. I can't understand that. There's the stigma that having so many children, oh, you have too many children already. And that's looked down upon And I know about all the abuses of the past. I have read the history over the last few weeks of how Ireland abused and took advantage of and made money off of unwed mothers and mothers with babies and the state funded the Catholic Church. I know about the abuses. But that stigma does not decide on the life of a baby. And then you'll hear this thing. If you ever do speak up at work or at school or at the shop, They'll come at you and say, well, you anti-abortion people are dominated by religion. And that's the stigma that they've passed, passed, on you and me, and the discussion's over. So basically, abortion has been made the best answer for problem pregnancies. Just get rid of the child. But I wonder if anybody ever thought of asking Jesus, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter twenty four verse fifteen to nineteen. Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse fifteen. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, now that's in the middle of the tribulation. But when you see that abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, when it stands in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains, run for your lives. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are not carrying a a grown baby, but those who are pregnant. Let them that are with child Woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. How does Jesus consider a woman that's pregnant? He calls a woman who's having to flee for her life that's pregnant. She says, He says she's a woman with child. Not a blob of tissue. The move is on to replace the Eighth Amendment. One of the most marvelous works in the law and of the law in Uh, the Irish Constitution. It says this, Article 40.3.3 says, The state acknowledges the right to life of the unborn and with due regard to the equal right to the life of the mother guarantees in its laws to respect and as far as practicable by its laws to defend and vindicate that right. No wonder it's hated. No wonder it's hated here. The state has its hands tied; that it has to defend what they don't believe is life. It came into law in 1983. Absolutely, made as a matter of fact, it came into law in September of 1983. We're coming up to the anniversary of it. Never let it be said that a Bible-believing Christian would ever choose to murder the not-yet-born. I don't care if you need personal freedom. I don't care. Honestly, what is it? Now, I listen, we're not dealing with all the complications. Everybody's got their reason. Is that a baby? Is that a person or not? Then you better consider that. It has never been easy, by the way, to carry a baby, to give birth, and raise that child to adulthood. Any parent in this room who has ever gone through rearing a child knows that it was the toughest time of their life. Get over it. You don't cut that off when God gave you the gift of giving of life. Your view, as I said at the beginning, on the unborn, reflects on your view of life, of yourselves, and ultimately of God. I'll give you four things you need to do. Number one, you need to believe what God says about the not yet born. That they're babies who have not yet been born. You need to start to love thy neighbor no matter how small, as much as you love yourself. I hope you would love and protect others. Will you not love somebody who's just a bit smaller than you? If you love being alive, to protect those who cannot speak for themselves, begin to intercede in prayer. I don't know when this vote is going to come up. I'm going to be gone when it's there, and I've got to preach this now. But when Enda kenny sneaks this in, and by the way, it was it was the Fenigal government that brought it in, brought in the amendment, and they have changed. So when Kenny sneaks this in and brings it in and, and, uh, uh, and pushes this thing like no end, you better have already been interceding. You better have already been on your face begging God for another chance for this nation to get right with God, for this people to sense that they will introduce and bring in murder enshrined in the Constitution. I don't care what other countries are doing it. I don't care what other people have every reason to do it. It is not a law that should be changed. Begin to intercede for our nation and for people to make a right decision. And then contact your TDs. I pegged our TD here, Andreas Moynan, and I pegged him and I says, you're going to vote to get rid of it? And he said, I will not vote to get rid of the Eighth Amendment. Good. Then I said, will you, will you fight to keep it? He says, that is yet to be seen. He's got to make up his mind. I want to help him make up his mind, just like you need to. Contact your TVs. Let let you know that you're for keeping the Eighth Amendment. If you don't speak up, there are a thousand more who will, and will speak up on the wrong side. There are two deaths to focus on right now. One death may save a career or a reputation. The other death occurred to save mankind. One death can make your life easier, The other will make your life holy. One death only brought death. The other death brought life, both now and forever. One death makes one kind of doctor richer. The other death makes all men richer. One death only brings regret. The other death brings forgiveness, even to those who have gone through abortions. That's the grace of God. I don't sit in judgment. With anybody in this room or anybody that you know, I don't look down on them. I don't think that they're more wicked than I am. They made a decision and they struggle with it. I have no idea. I just know this. They need forgiveness and they need the Lord. They need Jesus Christ. Our nation is lost and our homes are a mess. Are we going to, are we going to try and make a difference again? You know, it used to be, it was the Christians who changed laws. Now, we just scamper. We just collapse under the pressure. Remember, we've been plenty of problem in our life, haven't we? And God could have aborted us. We've been quite an inconvenience to our Creator, haven't we? And you know what? Instead of Him aborting us, He self-sacrificed Himself. for you romans chapter 5 verse 6 says for when we were yet without strength think of a baby christ died for us verse 8 says god commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners christ died for the ungodly would you bow your head Don't let this thing be a religious issue. Let this thing be a God issue, a heart issue, a life issue. We've talk, talked about loving our neighbor who is our neighbor. We've talked about the people we should show love to. And we know how hard it is. Well, we're moving outside of the norm now. We're focusing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, before we pray, I'm just talking to you. We're focusing on one area of society that needs to be loved. And I mean loved just as much as you love yourself. That means protected, sustained, allowed to live, given every right and opportunity that you have. I'm not just preaching to the choir. There may be some people in this room who have made up their minds on what to do. What's what's the stain when I've given you the Bible? Every pregnancy is a woman with child. I don't care how that baby was conceived; that baby is a baby, not yet born. We just speak up for him? God spoke up for you. God thinks you're worth dying for. Don't buy the me first philosophy, and only think of yourself. God thought of you. Came down as a man. Born just like you and me. Went through everything just like you and me. Just so he loved you and me. Gave himself for us. What will we give? Father, I just ask you in Jesus' name that this somber, serious message would take, would pierce deep in our hearts and we would never forget it. We would never forget to love Not just the unborn, but the life of the not yet born that are on the way. They're just as human as everybody else in this room. They should have every right. And amazingly, in Ireland, Father, they have the same rights as everybody in this room. God, I beg and I intercede that that would not be taken away. Oh, that we would be a nation of passionate people who have love and compassion for all sides, but that we would make sure that that unborn child is protected too. Heavenly Father, I just beg of you, I plead with you, settle our hearts on this big issue. May we not think that it is just a political thing, it's a popular thing. No, it's a right thing. You've defined it. You've already expressed it. And You taught it best of all. With Jesus thank you for that best of all love if there's somebody in this room who has never received God's love for them one of these days they will break through the wall of this life and they will enter off into eternity and without Jesus Christ they have no hope they will live forever somewhere but it will not be with him But right now they've got a chance Unborn don't have a chance unless somebody defends them, unless somebody stands for them. These words and this opportunity right now is your chance before it's too late to enter an eternal life, to get the gift of God, which is eternal life, paid for in full by Jesus Christ. Will you take it now? I took it. My life hadn't been perfect, but wow, I live. And, And it's and the life which I now live, whew, better than ever the life that I ever lived before. So bless us, bless the hearing and the living of your word now in Jesus name. Amen. Grab your hymnal please.